Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Good. Awesome. Um, guys, who's excited for this I Am series? Okay, like five people. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I do the same joke every time. It doesn't get old, you know? Um, now, I'm super excited for this I Am series. I feel like, um, who thinks Pastor Scott kicked it off with such a great message last week? There we go. There we go. Uh, I'm, so, I'm just so thankful to have a pastor that will uh, speak boldly uh, the word of God and also speak it with grace, right? Amen. Um, but I'm super pumped uh, about this I Am series. I think it's going to be great going through all the I Am statements uh, that Jesus says about himself and kind of going through these statements and learning all that God is. Uh, today we're going to look at the, the verse, the statement that is, I am the light of the world. Uh, but before we jump into that today, I just want to take a moment uh, just to encourage everybody that's here, everybody that's joining us online. I not only want to talk about what God says that He is, but I just want to take a moment before we kick off uh, to, to encourage you and to remind you of everything that God says that you are. Um, I don't know about you, but I find it a whole lot easier to believe the things that God says about Himself than I do about what God says about me. Yeah, I does anybody else struggle with that? Like sometimes it's easier for God to make these bold statements and we kind of believe it. But then when he says bold statements about us, um, I find it difficult to actually receive that, to actually believe that. Um, for example, the verse we're looking at today is John 8, 12. And Jesus makes such a bold statement. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, now as, as, as believers, as followers of Christ, we can read that, and, and it's kind of almost easy to believe that. Like, of course Jesus is the light of the world. He's the Son of God. Makes total sense. But then at the same time, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he looks at us, his followers, and says, you are the light of the world. But... But I struggle with that, right? Sometimes it's, it's difficult for me to believe the things that God says about me. Um, you are the light of the world. God says that I am his masterpiece. God says I am not condemned. God says I am a new creation. God says I'm his workmanship. God says I am free. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. God says that I am loved. And God says that about you today. But do you believe it? Like, like, do you really believe it to the point where it shapes you, it changes your life? Because I, I often struggle with it. I know that God calls me those things. I know that his word is true, and I know he says that about me, that when I've come to him, I am these things. But I find it difficult because, I don't know about you guys, but I know myself. I know the times I've messed up. I've known the times that I've fallen short. I've known the times when I've just made an utter fool of myself. And I know that I have darkness inside of me. Yet God is a man of his word. I love that. God is a man of his word. And what he says, he actually means. And sometimes we just have to rehearse what God says about us for us to start aligning ourselves with what God already says that I am. Because the more I rehearse about what God says about me, the more I will align myself with my true identity of being who God already says that I am. So before we jump into today's text, I just, I just want to encourage everybody here, everybody that's watching online, 
Speak what God says about you to yourself. Speak it out loud. It, it, might, it might seem weird at times. It might seem a little strange. But I'm just always encouraged when I, when I read about King David. It says that when he was distressed, the word says when David was greatly distressed, David encouraged himself in the Lord. It wasn't other people encouraging him. David was encouraging himself in the Lord. So today I want you guys to speak God's truth, God's promises, God's calling over yourself. Speak what God says about you to yourself. So even when you don't like yourself very much, say, I am loved. Even when you're struggling and you're feeling like you're losing that battle, say, I am more than a conqueror. Even when you're afraid and you feel weak, say, I am strong and courageous. Even when you don't feel like you're enough, say, I am healed and I am whole. Even when you're struggling with the temptation of sin, and even when you fall short, say, I am forgiven and I am free. How can you say all those things about yourself? Because that's what God says about you. God says I am. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you. I'm one of those guys. And say it. Say, God says I am. You can say it with my accent as well. God says I am. <laughs> okay, stop it now. Too much. Okay, come on. <laughs> guys, I'm having a whole conversation about this. Um, Today we're going to be looking at the I am the light of the world statement. And I love this because I think light and dark is something we're all familiar with, right? We, we all know the difference between light and dark. It's such a contrast. Night and day. If you're a Star Wars fan, you've heard about the dark side and the light side. It's something that we're so familiar with our everyday life. But what I've noticed about darkness is, is through life, darkness just seems to make things either more difficult or more scary. Like, I don't know, maybe as a kid, you was afraid of the dark. Some of you are like, I'm still afraid of the dark. Um, as, but as a kid, some of the times you're afraid of the dark, and so you'll, you'll need, leave a nightlight on, right? Because darkness kind of has this way of, of deceiving us, of lying to us. Because like, I don't know about you, but have you ever like laid in a dark room and it, it, darkness makes that coat in the corner look like, like there's somebody in your room? Like you ever done something like that? Or like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at your ceiling and it looks like this is like a giant spider and you're like, you're rubbing your eyes like, is there really a bug in here? Just, just me? Nobody else? No? Um, but that's the thing. And, and darkness can even start to manipulate other things. Like, you know, if you're upstairs and all of a sudden your refrigerator makes that like weird sound. It's like darkness makes you think like somebody's breaking in my house right now. But it's just your refrigerator. Like darkness has this way of making things become other things. It's deceptive. It lies to us. It, it makes things more scary. And I was just, as I was prepping for my sermon today, um, it got me thinking of this one time that me and my buddy, uh, two of my other good buddy friends, we got lost in the darkness driving to this place. So um, long story short, we was, uh, we was driving to this concert and uh, we was going to a place in the country that we'd never been to before. It was late in the evening 
And to add to it, there was so much fog out on the roads, right? And so uh, we put it in the GPS. We've never been there before. This was before, like, we had GPS on our phones. Like, we actually had a special console just for the GPS. You guys remember those? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and GPS just wasn't as good as it is now. And so we typed it in anyway, and we're driving, and, and the GPS is just taking us to just, like, out into the middle of nowhere. We're, like, going right out into the sticks, down these backcountry roads. It's so dark. It's, like foggy everywhere. And you know, like when you put your high beams on and like it just sometimes make like the fog even worse. It just had like all the horror vibes going on. Anyway, we pull into this little town and it was like almost like this tiny little abandoned town and um, no lights on, super dark. And we pull up to this like super traditional church, like, you know, stone walls all around, like steeple, stained glass windows. And the GPS is like, you have arrived at your destination. And we're just like, this doesn't look like the place, like there's nobody around, it's a concert, like this does not look like a place where there's going to be a concert. Um, anyway, the, the wall going around the church had this little opening in it, and so we're like, oh, that must be the entrance, it looks weird, but let's just go check it out. And so we, we drive through this little hole in the wall, and as we start to drive through it, all of a sudden, the car starts like rocking from side to side, and we're just like, what, what is going on? We can't really see in front of us, so we, we open our doors, and to our horror, it wasn't the entrance to the church, it was the entrance to the graveyard. And so like we're driving over these flat gravestones and we're like, oh my gosh, we're in the middle of nowhere. And so we freak out. I slam into reverse. And you know that brick wall I told you about? Well, yeah, my car met that with its brake lights. So like we're just freaking out. We managed to turn it around, get out of there, and we get back on the country roads, and like the fog's getting even thick. Like seriously, you can't write this stuff. And, and we're going down this, black, uh, this uh, back country lane, and as we're going down, the fog's coming in. I got my high beams on, I can barely see. And then no joke, out of the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the road was this big black stallion of a horse on its back legs just <laughs> We were freaking out. We're like, this is not real. Like, what is happening? Next thing we know, two guys come from the side of the fields. We're like thinking we're getting ambushed. Like, what is happening? Long story short, it just turned out that a horse got wild. These were farmers, and they're trying to get the horse back in the field. Anyway, long story short, we make it back uh, to the actual place. We was going in the completely wrong direction. We make it. Why do I say, why do I share that story? I don't know. Why do I share that story? Uh, let me find it. Uh, no, I, I share it because it's funny what darkness does, right? Darkness limits our vision. We can't see. We make mistakes in darkness that we probably wouldn't if there was light. Like if it was a nice day, I'd have probably known not to drive into the graveyard, you know? If there was a horse on the road, I would have seen it from far off. It wouldn't have been as scary. You see, it's easy to get lost in darkness. You can feel like you're going one way, but you end up in a different way. And things can be very deceptive because darkness lies to us. So today we're going to be talking about Jesus being the light of the world. We're going to talk about light and darkness and how those that follow Jesus walk in light. And those that reject Jesus, whether they know it or not, walk in darkness. Today we're in the book of John, starting in chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
Now, I don't feel like we can start here because there's more to the story. I feel like if we just jump in here, it's almost like we're jumping in the middle of a series and we have to go back and see what happened on the previous episode. So here we go. Let's go back. So here's a previously on the book of John. Let's go all the way back to verse 2, okay? And also a lot of, a lot of reading. Are you okay if we just kind of read from verse 2 all the way up to verse 12? Is that, is that cool with everybody? Come on, guys, give me feedback. I know it's a lot of Bible. I know we came to church, and, you know, we don't want that much Bible, but is that okay? Okay, cool. We're going to read, start in verse 2. It says, Early in the morning he came again to the temple, he being Jesus. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the acts of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. You see, here the, Jesus, uh, the, the, the Pharisees aren't really concerned about justice. They're just really trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to back him into a corner. One, uh, there's two people that has to happen in order for adultery to happen. They didn't care about the man. They just brought the woman. So they're just trying to bring something to trap Jesus. So here's the thing. If Jesus said the woman should not be stoned, the Pharisees would have accused him of violating Moses' law. However, if Jesus urged them to execute her, they would have reported it to the Romans because they did not permit Jews to carry out their own execution. So they're, they're just trying to trap Jesus, trying to put him between a rock and a hard place. And it says, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is out sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Guys, this is such a powerful scene taking place right here. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we can often miss parts of the Bible and just kind of skim over it as information like we're reading a storybook, right? I often feel like we don't really take time to, to imagine the emotions that would have came if you was here today. I think it's easy to skim over this and just be like, okay, there was a woman, she was caught in adultery, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, Jesus wrote something in the dirt, they laughed, Jesus said, go sin no more. Which it's, it's, you know, informationally it's correct, but let's just imagine for a second that you were there in that moment. Like if that actually happened today, like if that actually happened to you, one thing I try to do when I read the Bible is I try to get into the habit of actually imagining what it would be like if that actually happened today. Like if I was really there, what would I be feeling? What are the senses, the emotions, everything? Like try to make it real. I try to imagine what I would feel. And I think it's so important to do this with the Bible because like, let's, let's take King David, for example, right? We just mentioned him like encouraging himself in the Lord. Some of us can look at King David from the Bible and just be like, man, this is my dude. Like, he's such a great guy. Man, a man after God's own heart. Like, I love David. You know, he played the harp. Like, you know, he just shredded that thing. Like, David was such a great guy. Nice little David. But I often think, like, if we knew David in real life, I think we might be a little scared of this dude. Like, 
He's a king ruling over these nations. He sleeps with another man's wife, and then to cover up his sin, he has the man killed. Like, if David called me and was like, hey, Scott, you want to go get lunch today? I would be a little hesitant to hang out with David. Like, this dude is like nobody to be messed with. And so I feel like we kind of skip over these things and we just take the good parts of David. I'm like, man, he's awesome. I love this dude. But it's like, if you actually had a friend like David, you'd be kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, don't get on the wrong side of David. But it's, that's what I mean. It's sometimes easy to read these things. But if it actually happened today, how would you feel? So when I read this, I have to imagine what this woman is going through. It says she was caught in the act of adultery. So I can only imagine this woman must have been indecent. If she's caught in the act of adultery, she must be indecent. They caught her and they took her to the temple. Now, I don't imagine the, the temple been next door, so I can imagine they grabbed her, they maybe dragged her, they maybe carried her over her shoulder. Probably wasn't a nice scene for this woman, getting taken to a place, and then she's thrown out in the front of a crowd. Here she is, all alone, everybody's staring at her. She's feeling vulnerable, she's feeling exposed, and now they're talking about stoning her. All eyes are on her. She knows her guilt. She's scared. And she's probably heard or seen people being stoned. Now, what does stoning look like? So research says that uh, the accusers either bound with their hands behind the back or sometimes they're actually buried up to their chest so that they can't escape. And then what would happen is the witnesses, followed by the judge, would get tangerine-sized rocks and throw them at them. Not big enough to kill them in one shot, but enough to cause blunt trauma and damage. Research says that stoning can be as quick as 20 minutes or sometimes last up to two hours. And here is this woman, knowing what she's done, knowing that she's guilty, knowing that she's been caught red-handed, knowing what's coming her way. I can only imagine being that woman the the shame, the guilt, the fear, the desperate feeling. I can only imagine how dark that moment must have felt for her. Here was a woman in her darkest moment of her life, feeling like all hope was gone. But in her darkest moment, the Pharisees didn't realize that they threw her at the feet of the light of the world. In her darkest moment, she met the Messiah that was the light of the world. So here's the thing. The law reveals the woman's sin. And that's what the law does. The law reveals our sin. Let me ask you, this is not a trick question, was the woman, according to the law, caught in sin? Come on, say it, guys. Come on. Come on. It's not a trick question. Okay. Was she guilty of sin? Okay, here we go. Here we go. According to the law, did she deserve punishment? Yeah. The law reveals our sin. This is so important because until we acknowledge our sin, we'll never see a need for a savior. 
But some of us don't acknowledge our sin. But I'm here to tell you today, the Bible says we've all fallen short. But it's so easy for us to live under this deception, live in this darkness of, I'm a good person. You ever heard anybody say that? Like, I'm a good person? Nobody? Yeah, right? Well, I think we all do it. And, and we might say stuff like, I, I know I've done some bad things, but it doesn't make me a bad person, right? We all live under this deception that I'm good. But I'm here to tell you today that if you're hearing my words, you're not good enough. See, that's why I started with the encouragement, right? Like, because now I'm telling you the, you're not good enough. And that's what Christianity is all about. We're not good enough. We've all fallen short. You are not good enough. And often we as Christians get this reputation that we think we're better than everybody else. That we're the holier than thou mentality, right? I think that's what the Pharisees were struggling with right here. But true, real, and raw Christianity is people that say, I'm not good enough. I've messed up and I need saving. Real Christianity is admitting I'm a mess and I need a Messiah. I've sinned and I need saving. I'm not good enough. That's why I need God. And this is the beautiful thing about Christianity. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Is even though we're not good enough, even though the law reveals our sin, his love reveals his grace. So here this woman, she's caught in the act. She's circled by people, ready to stone her. And Jesus steps in. It says that Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. What did Jesus write down? Honestly, we don't know. We can speculate. Certain researchers done different studies and try to figure it out. We don't know for sure, but here's some speculations. Some people say that he wrote down in the sand, in the dirt, the covenant of the law. The reason why they say this is the first time we hear of God's finger in the Bible writing something is found in Exodus 31, 18. And he says, when the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave them two tablets of the covenant of the law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So when he got down, some people say that he wrote down the law of the covenant to remind the Pharisees you've sinned as well. Look at the law. Does your life live up to it? You've sinned as well. Another one says, and I like this one the best, again, speculation here, I just, I just like this story better, um, is that Jesus got down and he started writing the names of everybody that was there. So he got down and he's like, uh, you know, Timmy, uh, John, Mark, started writing their names. And he said he got up right and he said, you who is out sin, you can throw the first stone. And then he went down again. They say when he went down again, he started writing their own personal sins next to their name. Mark, lust, Timmy, greed. You know, he started writing all their sins next to their name. We don't know what he wrote. But regardless of what he wrote, it caused conviction in their heart that they saw their own sin. 
It's often easy for us to, to see the sins in other people and often deceive ourselves to our own sins. How often we can, we can point and judge people of their flaws and their shortcomings, but always have a reason and excuse for ours. And this is what Jesus was doing here. He was revealing their sin. The Pharisees had this holier-than-thou mentality, and Jesus was breaking it. He was bringing into light all their sin. Because no shadows can exist in the light of God, which means nothing is hidden. I want you to know, if you're here today, I want you to know that you have no secrets from God. You might be able to keep secrets from one another, but God sees everything. You have no secrets. And that, that should humble us. That should give us grace for others because we see our own sins. Matt Chandler said this thing, and I love it. He said that if you took all your thoughts, like let's say right now, I, I chose somebody out, and I said, we're going to play a movie on this screen behind us, and it's a movie of every single thought you've had this past week. Every, every doubt, every lustful, greedy, prideful, jealous thought that you thought was in secret, nobody knew. If we took that and put it up on the screen behind me and played it as a movie with everybody here to see, how would you feel? I know I would feel humbled. I might feel embarrassed. But it caused me to have grace for others because I'm truly exposed. And this is what happened in this moment. Jesus, whatever he wrote on the ground, caused a conviction in those around him to drop their stones and walk away. We don't know what he wrote, but we know the woman was guilty. They were ready to stone her, and they walked away. Nobody could cast that first stone because they saw their own sin. It says they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Why the older ones? We don't know. We can assume that it's because they might have more to be forgiven from. Maybe if Jesus did write their sins next to their name, their list was longer because they've been around long enough, they have more of a catalog of everything that they've done wrong. We don't know. But it says, Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Jesus, in the darkest moment of her life, offers her grace. I just can't imagine what it must have been like to be that woman hearing those grace-filled words, knowing all that I've done, knowing my guilt, knowing my shame, knowing my darkness, to hear Jesus say, neither do I condemn you. Even though according to the law, she could have justifiably been stoned, even though it was justified, Jesus offered her grace. And what's crazy about this passage is that this woman was caught in the act. She didn't confess. She was caught. And yet Jesus still extends her grace. This is the stunning mercy of God through Christ. That even if you're caught in guilt, in shame, Jesus will still offer you grace. Grace. 
come to him. I just want you to know today that even though you've messed up, even though you've fallen short, even though you've failed, even though you might not be a good person at times, there's grace. If you come to God today, I want you to know you're not your past, you're not what you did, you are not what people say you are, you are what God says you are, you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are free from condemnation, you are liberated, and there is hope. Amen? Can I get an amen? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's hope. His law reveals our sin. His love reveals his grace. His light reveals our hope. After Jesus said this, neither do I condemn you. He said, go and from now on sin no more. Jesus not only offered her grace, he offered her forgiveness and he offered her hope for a new future for a new life. Jesus not only gave her grace, he gave her an opportunity to live in light. He didn't give her permission to keep doing what she was doing, but he gave her hope to live her life differently. He set her free and said, sin no more. Okay, so that was previously on the book of John. Now we can get started. The next verse, it says, the next time Jesus spoke to them again, and this is the verse we're looking at, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but I will give them the light of life. If we follow Jesus, we no longer have to walk in darkness. We no longer have to be a slave to sin. His light liberates us. So, Jesus offers us grace. We have forgiveness. Does that mean we can just keep on doing what we're doing? No, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Romans 6 talks about it. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? We know that our, we know that our old self was crucified that with him in order that the body might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That's coming to Christ. That's been reborn. Thanks be to God that you who were once a slave to sin have become obedient from the heart, not from your head, from the heart, to the standard of the teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have now become slaves of righteousness. You see, if we follow Jesus, we no longer have to walk in sin in darkness, but we can walk in righteousness, we can walk in light. You see, coming to God is not about following rules, it's about a relationship. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. It's not about rituals, it's about relationship. It's not that we can't sin, it's the fact that we no longer want to sin. We want to walk in the light that God has given us. So when we're talking about Jesus being the light of the world outside of a relationship with Jesus, outside of actually truly knowing God, not just knowing of God, outside of that, we are in darkness. Without Jesus, we're in what the Bible calls the dominion of darkness. 
Colossians says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son who he loves. So if we, if we are without Christ, the Bible says that we walk in spiritual darkness. We walk in spiritual blindness. We just simply can't see the full picture. We might be able to see parts of the physical, but we don't get to see the ultimate reality of all that life is. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. As Christians, that's why we can walk through things differently because we know we're not wrestling in the physical. We know we're wrestling in heavenly places. So if you're without Christ, you can see part of the picture. You just can't see the whole picture. We're walking in the dominion of darkness. It's like the story I told you when me and my buddies got lost. We can see part of the picture. We can see little bits of it, but we don't really know where we're going. It's hard to navigate in this darkness because we can't see the full purpose of what life is. We can run, we can strive, we can try our best, but who even knows what direction we're running in? And so I want you to know today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you no longer have to walk in darkness because you can come to Jesus, the light of the world, and he will give you a light that leads to life, fullness of life. You no longer have to run and hide in the darkness. You no longer have to struggle on your own. Jesus is here. And once Jesus steps in, Darkness flees. Light always overcomes darkness. That's why if I open my front door at nighttime, darkness doesn't come flooding into my house. The light in my house goes flooding out into the darkness. Light always overcomes darkness. And maybe you're here today and maybe you know Jesus is the light of the world that you trust him to guide you. The really neat thing about this is it doesn't stop there. We spoke about it. Right at the beginning of the message, Jesus now calls you, the body of believers, the light of the world. It says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you, they may see your good work and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You're brought out of darkness. Not only can you now walk in light, but now you get to share that light with others. Thanks, man. My prop's a little smaller this week because uh, I got complaints with how big a treadmill is apparently. <laughs> I don't get it. It only took five people to move it. Like, what's the big deal? <sighs> Guys, this is so exciting and it's so powerful. And what's really cool about this passage, as I was researching it, 
all the things that we've just read about, it says that Jesus actually shared these things and it took place during a festival that was known as the Festival of Lights. By Jesus sharing at this time, it wasn't a coincidence, it wasn't a mistake, he knew exactly what he was doing. The Festival of Lights was a tradition by which Jewish people would light a menorah and celebrate their liberation from their oppressors. Since it takes place, since Jesus sharing this at this time, since it takes place during that time, Jesus would very well be contrasting himself to the lights that took place at the festival. As they're celebrating liberation from their oppressors by lighting a menorah, Jesus stands and declares, I am the light of the world. Jesus is saying, I am the one true light. I am the one who sets you free. I am the one who casts out darkness. And what's really cool about this tradition is when the Jewish people would light the menorah, they would take the middle candle, and, and this candle was called the shamash. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Shamash, yeah? Pastor Scott, right? <laughs> the shamash, but he's known as the servant candle. And what they would do is they'd take the servant candle and they would light all the other candles with the servant candle. So they don't light one another. It's only the servant candle that would light all the other candles. And I just think, I'm trying to concentrate right now. I just think what a beautiful picture that is of our shamash, our servant, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one true light that lights all the other lights. When the Jewish people would light the menorah for Hanukkah, they would light it with the, the servant candle, light all the others, and then what they would do is they would place the menorah in their windows, and it says that they would place it in the window so that all might see their faith and their hope. What a beautiful picture that is, it paints for us. Jesus is our servant candle, and then we are to put our light on display to the world so that others may see God. That's why we're doing the whole love in action. It's not so we could have this cool cards and brand it. It's so that we can be the light of the world. And I can't help but light candles and, 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 and hear the light of the world and, and think of that little song that we all know, right? This little light of mine. You guys know it? Can, can we sing it together? Can you help me out because I don't sing? Okay, come on, everybody together. Let's just get so much confidence. Come on, let's go. Okay, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine. Come on, louder. I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine. Come on, let's do it. I'm gonna let it shine. Now go do it. <laughs> like, seriously, like, go and do it. Let's not just talk about letting our light shine. Let's not just sing about letting our light shine. But let's actually go and let our light shine. Jesus has freed you. Jesus has gave you 
the light of the world. Think of all the darkness that God has freed you and liberated you from. Now go share that light with others. Amen? Okay, can you stand with me as we pray? I'm going to blow out these candles so we don't set the place on fire. Oh no, the trick candles. No, I'm just kidding. take a moment right now, wherever you are in the room, watching online if you know God and you've come into a relationship with him just take a moment just in your heart, just thank him for what he's freed you from look at your own life if Jesus did get down on his knee and ride in the dirt put your name next to everything you've done wrong thank him for what he's freed you from maybe you're here right now and maybe you're still struggling with something you know where it's all a it's all a process it's a journey you know like David David didn't make everything perfect but he constantly that's why he gave got the name after God man after God's own heart is because he ran after God every time so whether you're here today watching online and you're struggling with something you're being tempted you're falling short just run back to Jesus Maybe you're here today and you don't know God and you've been walking in darkness and you've never even realized it. I just want you to know today that you can come to the feet of the light of the world. You no longer have to hide in darkness. You can be fully known. And what a beautiful thing it is to be fully known and yet still loved. So if you're here today and you want to you want to know Jesus. You want to know the light of the world. Maybe you're watching online. You can text that number on your screen. You can come to one of the pastors. Just reach out to us. Let somebody know that I want to know this light of the world. But for the rest of us, if you know God and you're struggling and you're dealing with believing who God says that you are, I just encourage you right now to just speak those things over your life that God says that you are. So, Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for today. Thank you that you are the light of the world and you stepped into darkness for us. That you sent your son, the only one perfect, the only one that has never sinned to die for us. And you did it out of love. I pray, Lord God, that we'll just continue to walk in that light that you have for us. As we've come to you and we've confessed our sins and your word says you've cast it as far as the east is from the west, Lord God, let us live in that liberty. We know we're not perfect, but let us walk according to your light and let our light shine for others. Let us just be your light everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.